0: There seems to be some kind of disturbance. I'm going to go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Why are you, people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now tuned in. T- 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 five, four, three, two, one.
1: Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome, friends, to Unlimited with your friends, Roxanne and Ace. We're Christians who love to hang out, best friends, love to talk about what's going on in the world. Jesus first, God number one, and crazy breaking news to talk about. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. I'm I'm actually, even though I'm not a Denver Nuggets fan, I am celebrating with the city of Denver. First time winning the NBA championship, and like the players were kind of like, yeah, all right, cool. We'll take that with us, but like to beat the Miami heat to win for the first time. I love when the underdogs come from behind. So I, I kind of feel like that, you know, going into father's day weekend, which happy father's day to all the dads as you are probably frantically trying to get that last second card. You know, it's okay to get the blank ones. He doesn't mind if you write the messages in there, but congrats <laughs> to Denver nuggets uh, winning the NBA championship. So yeah, it's been a good week.
1: Yeah. The underdogs. Nothing beats that. We watched Woodlawn, again, the wonderful movie by the Irwin Brothers featuring Woodlawn, Alabama, last night. And you want to talk about an underdog story. Yeah. Just amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's one of my favorites. And my daughters, my adult daughters, they are not sports fans at all, but like that's one of their favorite movies. They're like, Dad, let's watch that. And I'm like, Okay. Which (laughs) little, little, I don't think I ever shared this with you. So getting a chance through sports to work with the one and only Eli Gold, who, you know, does the voice in that movie during the game. Um, I asked him about that experience. He's like, Yeah. He goes, I recorded that in my studio in like 30 minutes. And I was like, really? So like the movie magic of, you know, it sounding and looking the way that it does. It's kind of cool to feel that it was just Eli at home, you know, with with a sip of tea and, you know, doing his thing.
1: Well, I thought of you as we were watching that last night and seeing Eli, the crispness of his voice and the perfect inflection. You hear that and it's like nobody else. Yeah. Incredible.
2: Well, and for those who are Bama fans, obviously following him, he was absent from the season last year due to cancer. He is cancer free. That announcement came this week as well. So big time celebration. So as of right now, he's committed to coming back for Bama, but nothing else. So we'll see how he's feeling and if he, you know, ends up doing some of the NASCAR and other things that he's excited about. But if you're a Bama fan, that's like, you can't not listen to a game and not want Eli. Like when he's not there, it just doesn't feel the same.
1: Yeah, it it wouldn't be the same. Well, that's wonderful, wonderful news. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't say, yes, a former president has been indicted. It's you and I don't get into politics a lot because people just get mad in three seconds and everybody has their own opinion. We're not going to change anybody's opinion. But what a weird world we're in when there could be information about nukes next to a toilet. I mean, what? What a weird place to be. And some people say it's a witch hunt. It depends on your politics. Some people say it's a witch hunt. It will be exposed. Others say there are 29 really bad old things that happened and somebody needs to answer to it. But who would have thought that this would happen?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, and it, it kind of, it's a, it's not just a mark against a man. It's a mark against a nation that this has happened, but also, it's a reminder that, you know, when God needs the truth to rise and I'm firsthand middle of the bullseye target on my own stuff, it comes out, man. And when people find out about it, it just it, it just takes you down. And and I think that's the thing is we look moving forward, regardless of where you stand politically, leaning and trusting in the fact that God knows this stuff is going to happen. He knew what was going on that's now surfacing so that we can have either a higher standard or we can ask better questions in our debates so that when they put people on the ballot, they are people, hopefully, of faith and of caliber that they're allowed to be able to put that faith into action for the good of our country.
1: Yes, and have a president... We can be excited about it. Maybe you're excited about the one we have now. I just have a lot of fears about where we're going, and we're not to fear. No. Fear is from the enemy. So, like you say, we've got to trust God in it. But I am sad about some of the news that's that's making headlines right now. I don't know if you've heard. Arnold Schwarzenegger says heaven is a fantasy. And he was interviewed at length about this, and some of the stuff he—I I don't— You know, we kind of grew up watching him. Mm -hmm. And to know that this is where he is spiritually, you know, he was telling Howard Stern, which, of course, Howard Stern can bring out. I think he's a brilliant person when it comes to interviews, but he can bring out the muck. And he looks for the muck. Yeah, That's the only word I can really use to describe (laughs) it. But uh, tell me, Governor, what happens to us when we die? Nothing, he says. You're six feet under. Anyone that tells you something different is a lie. And then his little buddy, Danny DeVito was there. and Danny chimes in and says, yeah, we deteriorate. And what I want to say is, you know, I guess I can understand not having any belief that because at one point that was me, I thought yeah. that's a bunch of hooey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my thing, but, but I will tell you heaven is real. Heaven yeah. is absolutely real, and I'm so happy that I get to go there.
2: Well, and Schwarzenegger's—I mean, he—he's been open about it. He grew up Catholic, and so he knows the catechist, and he, you know, understands what you know the Bible and the Catholic Church says and believes on heaven, hell, purgatory, all those things. So the thing that I love about this, and and this is where I tend to, for a lack of better words, I get a little cocky with God, in the fact that He's big enough. He's bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's planted that seed from a very early age. So Arnold can say what he wants in the press so that he doesn't look like he's favoring one faith over the other or, you know, that he's gone soft because he's supposed to be all butch and whatnot. But it's 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 in you. It's there. And you just haven't allowed yourself to manifest how that spirit can really dominate your life. And so, I I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how things play out in his own walk, because once, I mean, the Bible says, you know, train up a child in the way they should go, and uh, he was trained in that way. So, you know, at some point, he will not depart from it. I don't don't want to be like one—I'm not judgmental of what he's saying, but also pride is to me—not that sins have a level in the eyes of God, but pride takes us down— and we don't realize it. And it's not until you're in the thick of something terrible. And he's had scandals and things, and, you know, divorce and whatnot. We've all had things in our lives. But God is always there. He's not rocked by what's happening. And we say this almost like a it becomes a weekly mantra of that he didn't wake up this morning and go, "Oh, Arnold said that about me." You know, I mean, he can think what he wants and he can believe what he is trying to say to the public. But I don't know that, in his heart of hearts, and in a moment, whether it be a deathbed, which, we, you know, we hear those all the time of people that make conversions in those moments, as long as you're ready before your last breath, you're ready for the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, he's got the teaching there. We're just hoping, you know, the steroids didn't push it completely out of his
1: <laughs> Well, I, I want to pray, Lord, for Arnold Schwarzenegger, for You to make a way when it looks like there is no way for him to realize that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through you. That's what your word says. Mm. When we draw near you, you draw near us. So I pray that a way will be made for Arnold to be near you, and you'll draw near him, and he will feel you that that intimacy, as Ace was saying, will be reborn in him. If he's accepted you as Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside him. Sometimes when we sin, we turn against, we don't hear that still small voice anymore. So, Lord, we ask you to make a way. You know, you're a gentleman. You knock gently, but you don't knock us over to receive you. We receive you with our free will. But we ask to make a way for someone with such influence to someday say in a microphone, Heaven is real. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to heaven and it's going to be glorious. We ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: What so while your- we're in, we're diving into deep stuff today, Ace. Yeah. Because I, it's it's not shocking that at ninety three Pat Robertson went, but wow they're calling him the father of Christian television, and it's true with with CBN with with all of these networks born of his idea. And he was saying wackadoo stuff toward the end of life. Some stuff you're like, what Pat? What? Yeah. What, what did you just say? Yeah. But I, I think if we get caught up in some of that, we forget to have reverence for someone who had a vision that changed lives around the world.
2: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, regardless of what you thought of him, think of him, or where you are in your own walk of faith, again, he's a man. He's translating, like all of us are, we're translating God's word to the best of our ability. And if we get it wrong, are you humble enough to go, you know, I used to think this when I read these scriptures or how I saw God work in my life or others' lives, and I was wrong. And I don't know, maybe by the time you're 93, you just don't really want to go back through all your grievances. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I'll just take it up with God and let him, you know, when I get up there. But, you know, again, I I love the fact that even when we know that a public figure representing God, because you and I, you know, in what we do, we could say something on any given week that could be offensive or someone could see wrong or we could be wrong in our own translation. I'd like to believe we could put a rebuttal the following week. But (laughs) at the same time, you don't know what you don't know. But we have to say, okay, God, lift the veil so that I'm not missing the mark on the things that matter.
1: Amen. Let me tell you what a thrill it was to be a guest on the 700 club and to have Pat Robertson introduce me. Yeah. That felt like a miracle. And that in 88 countries, 88 countries, people got to hear my testimony. Mm-hmm. And so I'm grateful for that experience. I'm sad for his passing and his family. Yep. But at 93, that is a life well-lived.
2: Amen. <laughs> I know that uh, for many of us this summer, trying to uh, capture the vision of being in a dream home, and maybe for us dads, we can take the peace of knowing that Turin and the team at Birmingham Mortgage Group can help get us into that dream home in time so that you are comfortable and you know the school zone for your kids as they get ready for the fall. Like all those things have to be in place, and Turin really wants to help make that happen.
1: Oh, he's so awesome. He prays with people. He really loves people. He is so super smart. I mean, the guy is like a mortgage genius. He's going to be up on all the trends that you need to get in that home that you really want right now. It's highly competitive. You need the best. And that's what you get with Birmingham Mortgage Group, 205-259-1656 or BHAM Mortgage Dot .com. All right, Father's Day is almost yeah, here. I know you're excited. Now, there's several things, four things that dads are said to really want, and I want to see if you agree with this list from the experts. We're starting with quality time with family.
2: I thought you were going to say, yeah. I thought you were going to say uh Candy Apple Red Mustang with white walls, but um <laughs> that's all. <laughs> That's on my far wish list. Yeah, you know, I'm enjoying, like we're counting down to the beach, right? That's our summer vacation. Every other summer we're doing some big family thing. And because I grew up, you know, on the beach, my daughters that are now grown, they were not beach fans. So I didn't get to have that with them. So me and Ryan are like, you know, geeked out about playing and building sandcastles and, you know, and they're teenagers. So they're like, this is kind of like the last summer of transition of all the things they want to do. And so I love that quality time of being able to build those memories with them. Oh, Hey, you know, remember when we went to the beach, that was so much fun. Like I love those kinds of things with them. Cause I don't need the stuff. I mean, I just purged my garage like two weeks ago and I'm thinking, I remember when I bought this thing or that box and you know, it's like, get it out. Like once it made its way to the garage, it was out of sight, out of mind. And I was like, let's just build, let's spend our money on the memories.
1: Recognition and appreciation, because we don't, and I believe a lot of us are guilty of this. We don't take enough time to say, "Wow, thank you, thank you for all that you do." And Ace, there's nobody that works harder than you. I just, well, I'm an uh, every time I see you, you're working, and you're making it happen for your family. You got a big family and a lot of people that depend on you, yeah. and and I believe we just need to say thank you to the dads out there.
2: Well, and dads kind of get a bum rap, right? You know, we're the goofballs, you know, we're the ones in our sock feet and, you know, we're making jokes that people roll their eyes at. And and yes, that is a side to us. We're allowed to be playful. The kid in us is always right there. But... For those that, especially of your faith, you know what God is calling you to, you know, being, you know, committed to your marriage, being committed to your kids and being present in their conversation, especially in a world where we're, you know, down, you know, face into our mobile devices. Like, what is it that we're doing to invest in those conversations? You know, like I'm I'm a summer away from teaching Mia how to drive, like that, those kind of memories, like I I live and feed off of those because I'm excited for them as they're growing into the person that God's making them to be. So, you know, don't write dad off as the goofball all the time. You know, give him some credit.
1: A gift that encourages his strengths and his interests. I think that's one of the things about you is you're so great at gift giving. And I know that's your wife's numero uno thing. She loves to give gifts and receive gifts. But that thoughtfulness, and for you, to me, it's easy. Everywhere I go, I see something that reminds me of you, you know, because you've got so many varied interests, but it's music, music, music for me. You know, if I ever see Yoda, thank you, by the way, for doing me the the great favor of just turning me on to the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. I'm the biggest Mando nerd ever now. Yeah. I mean, Grogu, hello, if you've not watched it. And you mentioned it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to it. You know, kind of like, because I sleep through some super you know, movies. Yeah. Well, okay, your husband's superhero. a lot
2: like me. He grew up with a lot of the same things. So yes, I, I totally get it. And there are things in the same vein, there are things like Mando that I would not tell my wife about, cause I know she is not interested in that, but I will <laughs> gladly wear the dadalorian, you know, shirt and, you know, helmet and carry my baby Grogu as much as I need to, you know, I'm not ashamed of that.
1: So you're awesome. I, I think, You're an incredible dad. Just so calm and patient and strong and dependable and trustworthy. Nice to think, how can this guy live so far away from his oldest daughters and make that work? When I realized he was so deliberate and intentional and that those relationships were super strong, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that. So happy Father's Day, incredible dad.
2: Thank you very much.
1: You're awesome. Thank you. And by the way, anybody who names kids Lennon and McCartney, that's just cool. If you don't know that about Ace, is too old as <laughs> Lennon and McCartney. That's just cool.
2: Yeah, my love of Elvis is hidden underneath the names of my <laughs> children. But well, and I, I believe you know, especially as you know, someone who follows Christ, I I want to walk the walk that you know not only was laid down in the foundation from my own relationship with my parents, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but also in setting the tone for, you know, I want them to I want them to be chilled and to have that peace so that, you know, the one thing I always passed on to them, and I still say this as a reminder when they have big decisions to make, I'm like, what does God say to you about it? And where's your peace? Because if you're not listening to him, you're not going to have the peace. But if you're listening and you have it, then that's the direction that he may be, guiding you. Like have don't don't second guess that because you feel like there should be a wrestling going on. That's why we have our relationship with God. I wouldn't want to navigate the traumas that I've had in my life without him because that power that he has to give us the peace and the joy to go, okay, you know, be a goldfish, as Ted Lasso would say, you know, shake it off and let's move forward. But also, for our kids, like I want them to be comfortable in their own skin, and I want them to be close to God. If those two things instilled into them, then yes, you're gonna, your hormones are gonna go crazy, and you're gonna crave a bunch of junk food, and your friends are gonna be really weird, and you know, and they're loud, and it's fine. But you get to live with the freedom of who you are in Christ, and the freedom of that. Okay, I can make my mistakes, and you know, my parents are there to correct me. They're there to love me. And so th- that that's just the kind of dad I had growing up. My dad was probably a little more stern cuz he was a, an army guy, but at the same time he did have a compassionate side like, you know, cuz he had my mom who was always like, "Tell me how you feel." You know. <laughs> and so, you know, pulling that out of him, you know, it, even now it's still he's like, "Now I don't want to share, but I will cuz I know she likes it." So that was the kind of camaraderie that I grew up in my brother and I did and are honored to pass it on to our own kids.
1: Well, good job. Now we'll see what you think about Apple's $3,500 Vision Pro headset. We're going AI. We're going into the future. Can the average person afford that? I don't think so, but we need to mention it. It's the first major release from Apple since the Apple Watch in 2015, so a lot is riding on it. And first of all, it looks so cool. I know you've seen it, Ace, because you're like me. You're kind of a tech nerd. Yeah. The way it embraces your head and fits your face is really cool. They say the headset's unmatched and how it hugs. So if you have to move, now, why would you be concerned about that? This is so cool about this headset. If I'm cooking, okay. I can see the recipe in my headset. Mm-hmm. If I need to lean over and pick up a pot, I can still see that this is where we're going. If I'm gardening, it can give me instructions on what to do while I'm working. It, it just is the next dimension. And I believe with, along with AI, it's where we're headed. Yeah. Now, what, what a reviewer said about it, that he didn't like this, but you and I would love to try this. When you FaceTime with this headset, it turns the person that you're, this is so cool, that you're talking to into a 3D avatar Mm -hmm. that talks with your voice. Now you and I would love, I've got to see it. I haven't tried the headset. I've got to see it. But the reviewer hated it. And you want to know Why? He said, during COVID, I just miss people. And if I'm going to be on FaceTime, I want to see a person's real face. Don't give me a fake person talking with their voice. Right. I want a real, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, my thought is this is the first phase of where it's going. So at some point, you know, it'll all, all the things that we hoped for from growing up being a Star Wars, Star Trek junkie, You're like, oh, yeah, I always wanted that to be a thing, you know. So, you know, we're that much closer to where technology and fantasy are lining up. The thing that I'm glad that they've done is they've made it where that if someone because when someone comes into your line of sight, if you're playing a video game or, you know, watching them or whatever, you know that they're there. So that maybe if you're kind of jumpy, you know, you know, (laughs) you know, your your spouse touches your arm (laughs) like, "Ah," you know, you didn't know they were there. So I, I do like that aspect of it, especially like, you know, because some games are like full body, right? You know, you're swinging a racket or a lightsaber and you don't want to actually knock, you know, your grandma's vase off the mantle. <laughs> and then you're like, no, you know, um, so so I, I do like where it's going. I, again, it's not the because of the price tag, it's not something that I could do now, but maybe after the technology is far advanced and the price tag came down with it, then we can maybe talk about it.
1: One thing we need to talk about is My Brother's Cup, the most amazing sweet company that makes the best coffee. You know, everybody's a coffee nerd now. That you have your favorite. You have not lived until you've smelled and experienced the Roxanne blend of coffee. It's just, I was thinking, how do you describe it today? You know, it's a little bit of pecan, a little bit of butterscotch. I think it's a little caramely. It's just warm and wonderful the smell is spectacular. I, 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 you know, yes, I picked it out. I love it. You will too. And what it's used for is to send medical teams and missionaries around the world to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. They even went to Burma, which is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. So when you buy a bag, that's what it does. Isn't that cool? Jesus and coffee.
2: Yep, it's good. If you want to find out more how to get it and uh, get the sample pack, uh, visit us at Roxanneandace.com.
1: You can be unlimited with Roxanne and Ace. We're so glad you're with us right now. You know, maybe you're with me and you've been highly perturbed, disturbed, upset, had your chain rattled, whatever you want to say about the number of mass shootings in this country. And I bring it up because it felt like every podcast ACE and I were leading with some horrendous story about some shooter. Mm-hmm. And so I, it really has been on my heart to try to understand. And so. Tonight, you're you're just in for a treat. One of my favorite people in the world is here. His expertise areas include terrorism, homeland security, gangs, law enforcement, human trafficking, leadership, and juvenile justice. Now, before you say, that's a lot to chew on, this gentleman has a doctorate, was in law enforcement for a long time and taught kids, college kids. And so he knows this stuff and can hopefully get some answers for us. We welcome to the show, Dr. Jeff Rush.
0: Well, good uh, good evening. <laughs> I guess it's evening. Yeah, good evening.
1: It's always <laughs> evening somewhere,
2: right?
0: Yeah, it's always evening somewhere. And thank you so much for, for having me on. You guys are, are doing a phenomenal job here. Really are.
2: Well, Jeff, I wanted to ask, so obviously with you know a lot of the recent shootings there towards the end of the school year, why are we in a state of our nation where this can still happen
0: well it it seems to be and there's not a there's not a whole lot of consensus on a lot of these events but the one thing that seems pretty consistent across everybody who talks about it or studies it is we're just in a in a time of malaise hope i said that word right uh, people are Depressed, still, I mean, you you would think after uh, uh, we got released from COVID, if you will, that that might have changed a little bit, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Young people in particular seem to be uh, in a high level of discomfort and depression and uh, mental health issues, and all of that, I think, plays into this idea of How do I, how do I help myself? How do I respond to what I'm feeling? And I think in terms of young people, uh, many of them don't have the resources, uh, don't have the knowledge, don't have the life experience to know how to cope. And so they look around and and they look at those that have come before and said, well, hey, you know, uh, That individual, and I'm not going to name any of them because I don't believe in that, but that individual got a lot of press and publicity. That individual uh, took care of his problem or her problem, as we're starting to see. And uh, that is what I think is is happening. Now, we've seen a fair amount, uh, a high level of suicide as well, particularly among young girls. That's a bit unusual. Uh, usually suicide is is a male thing. But I think ultimately it's this sense of uh, displacement. Uh, what Emil Durkheim, if you remember from sociology, talked about was normlessness, this sense of non-belongingness. Now he tied it to suicide. Criminologists have tied it to criminal activity. And I think it's fair to say we can now tie it as well to the mass killings, the active killers that are out there.
1: They say, Jeff, that the biggest disease in the country right now is loneliness. And I think part of what you're alluding to is that people really, they don't have strong relationships. Absolutely. And so, but I don't know how to fix that with somebody besides trying to be friendly or reach out to others. You know, Ace has mentioned that in other podcasts that we need to open our eyes and be loving. For me, that's with Christ's love. I want to be a reflection of Him, and that's what I want to share in the world. How on earth can we get better so we don't have people so distraught choosing to do this?
0: Well, I I think now you're getting into a whole lot of complicated uh, ideas. Uh, I'm sitting in my car and I'm sweating like a stuck pig. But uh, I I think, first of all, we have to recognize what is going on. I think parents have to recognize uh, that their children are. And again, uh, this is probably, well, the numbers of, of of young people who are feeling this way uh, is certainly higher than it was three years ago. That does not suggest that this is every kid, that uh, this is every adult. So I think we need to be clear that we really are probably at the end of the day talking about a minority of individuals who feel this way. That said, uh, the answer to, to at least a answer, a partial answer to your question, is we have to recognize what's going on. Uh, parents don't, they either don't or they're unwilling. I, I you know, to some extent, we, we, we've said this about parents for years and years and years when I was teaching juvenile justice. But, you know, if you look at, for example, the, the young girl in Nashville at Covenant Presbyterian, uh, her parents saw the, the difficulty she was going through, I think, but didn't do much of else, uh, if that makes any sense. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, now she happened to be, at least we're told, she happened to be under uh, the care of a mental health professional. Uh, the autopsy just got released. There was no evidence that she was on any kind of meds. Now that being said, mental health counselors don't all prescribe meds. So, you know, some people are making a big deal about that. I don't think that negates the fact that she uh was undergoing therapy. I think it just indicates that either her problem uh did not warrant medication or she was seeing a therapist that uh, didn't believe in medication. The point the overall point here is that her parents I don't think they really saw what was going on and I think in her case, in particular, her parents sort of bought into the trans ideology, as so many parents are,
1: mm-hmm. as so many
0: people are, as, you know, goodness gracious. Uh, and probably thought, as so many parents do, that this too will pass.
2: Yeah. So, Jeff, obviously, you know, being a professor, you know, there's the, you know, preparing those that want to go into law enforcement. There's, you know, hopefully maybe bringing comfort in situations when we have shootings or things that, you know, of mass, uh, I guess, coverage. But as a man of God, what do you say either to students or in moments when you can really express the faith side of it? Because I feel like the only way that we can combat the very things that you're talking about is when we apply faith elements and see these people through God's eyes.
0: Well, uh, you're absolutely correct. And uh, the church, uh, what I call the Big C Church, needs to do, I think, a better job of reaching out to all of their parishioners. And here again, it's not every church. Big C or little C. Some churches do that exceedingly well. Other churches don't do it quite as well, but they too uh, need to talk about how we can be better uh, at relationships, as we can be better at serving other people. Uh, the The gospel is very clear in that that is our role. Our role is to reach out to others. Our role is to take care of widows and orphans, and I probably butchered those chapters. But as a a person of faith, I think the faith community is is really the only answer. The problem we're dealing with, I think, in part, is the age-old problem of separation of church and state, what that really means. So we can't have those conversations in certain public places, which is not at all what that means. And then I think, too, uh, the number of, of churches who are uh, progressive, who are buying into some of this stuff, but I think other churches and other church people who are simply afraid to say anything, who are afraid to, to mention faith. You know, one of the, the great things about teaching human trafficking is it is a golden opportunity to talk about faith. Because some of the best work, I'm not, stay with me. Hopefully, I'm, I think I'm getting to your, I think I'm answering your question, Ace. But w- w- one of the, it is the faith-based community that is doing some of the best work in human trafficking. Uh, and you can't, in my opinion at least, and I haven't gotten in trouble with it yet, you can't talk about, teach about human trafficking without talking about faith and nobody seems to be upset about that. Uh, You put it in the context of, let me tell you about hope-filled rooms here in Birmingham. Let me tell you about special ops, which I do. Uh, These are the people that are making inroads in this area, and I think you can do the same thing in in K-12. You can in college when you talk about this, because this is a lack of Let me say it in a more positive way. Yeah. Faith is the way we solve this problem at the end of the day. And you need, I mean, there are some very specific ways of dealing, excuse me, of dealing with that in terms of threat assessment teams and all of that. But you need faith-based individuals on those teams, Uh, whether that's a pastor, whether that's a youth pastor, whether it's just somebody who, Works with people, et cetera. They need to be a part of that team because the faith community can and should speak to this issue from their vantage point. We know that fatherlessness is a problem. Church can speak to fatherlessness. Uh, We know that the lack of, uh, and I'm not necessarily repeating myself, the lack of strong male role models is a problem for this issue. Uh, The church can speak to that. Uh, Individuals can speak to that. And uh, I do. I mean, and I don't mean that the way that sounds, but again, as I talk to students about active killers, mass killings, et cetera, uh, Colonel Dave Grossman, uh, who is probably one of the most prolific speakers on this topic, absolutely talks about the faith component. And again, we're not beating people over the head with it, But we are talking about the importance of faith and and reaching out to people, not being afraid to reach out to people, treating people with care and compassion and love to remove this idea of I'm alone, uh, I'm depressed, nobody cares about me, nobody loves me, that sort of thing. And uh, that's how we do it. It's not quite as simple as that but that's how we do it. And churches have got to get more involved uh, in this this battle. If only on the depression and relationship side, Uh, even if they don't think that they can contribute to how do we solve the active killer problem, uh, but they can because these guys are looking for, uh, at least according to one author, and I think he's spot on, these guys are looking for significance. And what better significance is there than to know that you are a child of God, loved by God? And that message needs to come through uh, regardless of anything else. Actions have consequences, and we all know that. Some of these individuals are going to have to be held accountable for their behavior. But we we can, I think, reduce significantly... If we notice what's going on and then we reach out in love and compassion and, and talk about uh, how they fit into God's plan. It's worked in human trafficking. Uh, it's worked in other areas It will work in this area as well.
1: Phenomenal. I, I just I was hoping that you would say that Jesus is the answer. Because I, I do believe it begins with an intimate relationship with Christ. If you don't know who you are, and you that you're getting your identity from, as you said, fame, or or anything else really, mm-hmm. you're going to be in trouble. And so I'm I'm a little bit blown away right now. I just well, I love that message, Jeff. I love that message.
0: Well, we know it works. I mean, we know it works, and and we know, uh. From any number of stories in any by any number of people that have experienced that uh, suicide, mostly in, in in the area of suicide, but people who have have talked about how their life changed, their attitude changed uh, as a result of uh, understanding their relationship with Christ and. These, these young people, and they're not all young. I mean, the the mass killings we had out in California, uh, what, three in a row, four in a row, memory serves me correctly, uh, those were all elderly uh, Asian men, uh, which is odd to begin with, uh, not only in terms of age, but in terms of, of, of being Asian. Uh, but the point is, the story that is the stories that have come out uh, in that regard, again, men in this case, older men who didn't feel important, who didn't uh, who had a, a loss of significance uh, for a variety of reasons and uh, who resulted who resorted to I can gain significance by doing this this mass killing. So age is not a factor uh, in in that sense, what is a factor is the loss of significance, uh, the depression, uh, mental health. Uh, we know that about thirty percent of the active killers have a mental health issue, uh, a, a, a prob- either diagnosed or undiagnosed. Uh, most of the other seventy some odd percent uh, fall into, you know, the again the crevice of. Where do I fit in? Who am I? Uh, What can I do to ease the pain? Mm -hmm. And that's where we are.
2: Dr. Jeffrey Rush has been our guest, man. It's always great to catch up with you. I'm sure I'll see you at the movie theater this summer.
0: Oh, absolutely. No (laughs) question about it. Thank you very much, guys. I hope this has been helpful. I hope it is what you wanted. And you guys keep doing what you're doing.
2: Before we go, though, I do want to talk about this because I didn't realize this was a reality, but it happens by default at our house if you can fall asleep 90 minutes before your spouse, your marriage is more likely to survive.
1: Yeah, because people have difficulty a lot of times initially falling asleep, like getting comfortable and you hear the other person and there's distraction or there's your foot's on me, or there, there's too much of a blanket or whatever it right. is and yeah. snoring. So they say, if one partner at 90 minutes is getting into deep sleep. So when the other one comes in, problems are solved. Yeah. Well, and
2: there are some nights where my wife will go to bed ahead of me, you know, cause I'm just either wound up or we watched a show that kind of got my heart racing or whatever. So she'll go crash, but then I'll go check in on her as I'm going to bed and she's on her phone. She's like, I tried to go to sleep and I couldn't, but then I get in the bed and like 10 seconds in and I'm like, You know, I'm out. And she's like,
1: how do you do that?
2: And I'm like, it's a gift. It's a curse and a blessing.
1: Well, it's a gift that you can fall asleep immediately, let me just tell you. Well, we've got to tackle this. We always want to, just because you and I are married, there are a lot of people in the world who are not. And this is always such a difficult question. When should I text her? You've had a great first date. Mm -hmm. It went fantastic. When do you send a text and what do you say in it? Any thoughts?
2: I mean, it depends on how great was the date. I mean, if everything went really well, like I would be of the, before you pulled out of the driveway after you dropped her off, Hey, thanks for a great night. I'll talk to you later. You know, like, but then make sure you leave that and wait for the response. Don't be like, you know, so much blue. Like, don't, you know, don't have the thread of text messages where you're like, well, I thought we had a great time. Where'd you been? You know, like, don't be that. But I don't I don't know. I mean, the experts, they say one thing, but I think you really have to go with your gut sometimes. Go with
1: your gut. Number one, go with your gut. Don't wait three days. That's kind of rude. And it leaves people wondering, But, you know, 15 minutes after they got their coat off and they're through the door, that may not be a good idea. So they're saying anywhere from between 3 and 24 hours. And they say, don't just go, hey, what you doing? (laughs) Take some time to maybe reference something really cool that happened during the date. Mm -hmm. Put some planning into it. It means something to the woman that's receiving the text. After she had a, obviously a great time with you. I yeah. think that makes sense. And it
2: goes the same way for guys, or at least I'm talking for myself. I'm, you know, Maybe some guys are a little too masculine to admit this. But if she sees something that makes her think of you and she tells you that, I mean, to me, I would be like, oh, she heard a song or she saw a thing on Facebook. And it's like, hey, this made me think of you. You know, because those if it does manifest itself into something grander, those are habits that you're creating with that person that's showing attention and love. And you're like, okay, this is how they speak it. This is how they receive it. So it's a good etiquette. And then if nothing else, I'm also of the mindset. Don't use your text message as the way that you go. Hey, last night was fun, but I don't think like Um, at least do that vocally or face to face.
1: Thank you for bringing that up. I have, by the way, this was a smart move. When we were first dating, the texting, you know, I'm terrible at texting. I'm all thumbs. I would just, yeah. But Wayne and his text, I took photographs of them. And I have them saved. And the things he would say, it'd be like, who is this man? Right. (laughs) I want more time with this man. And he doesn't even know I have him saved. He can probably hear me. But I look back at that first rush of of just you want to consume the person. You're just like how they smell, how they look, how they speak, their heart for God, who they are. Mm -hmm. And I look back, and the things he would say, I would literally be like, (gasps) gushing. Gotcha.
2: So when so when you miss him, you go back and look at, you know, old text messages.
1: I, get I it. have them. I, I screenshotted. Wasn't that smart?
2: <laughs> I mean, some would say that's creepy, but no. Yeah, well. You, you married the man, so it, it worked out, well, you know.
1: And I was a little creepy at first because I'll be honest. I did it all wrong because I knew I wanted to marry him two months in. Mm. That scared the fire out of him. You want to sure. talk about wanting to run down the street with your head on
2: fire. I love that.
1: But you well, know, what i appreciate? It.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, he's, you know, <laughs> he is your dream man. So that's, you know, God love him. Well, thanks for hanging out. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Hopefully you get your nap and your pair of socks and, you know, some deodorant. You know, hopefully the... <laughs> The grill is, you know, not your only place of uh, solitude for the weekend, but uh, we will see you back next Friday. Make sure you subscribe, follow, and like so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks as well to Birmingham Mortgage Group and My Brother's Cup for being a part of it. Roxanne, I
1: love you. I love you. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at Roxanneandace.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.